Welcome to today's edition of Beat to the Fire, where we're always challenging the status quo. For more cutting-edge commentary, go to feettothefire.org. That is feet, the number two, thefire.org. And now your host. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back, my faithful listeners, to Feet to the Fire, the new voice of conservative dissent. This is your host, Sergio Fassa, and we're continuing a discussion from yesterday that I'm pretty excited about, as I said, having come back from a trip to Cambodia where we were working with missionaries, and our team did witness a lot of a tragic sorrow and human misery as a result of sin, as a result of a civilization not being ground on biblical ideals, on God's moral absolutes, um, a civilization that is decidedly not free. There's no law and order. It's very corrupt. Uh, It's socialist. Uh, There's poverty. Uh, There's rampant abuse. Uh, No regard for people as individual image bearers. All All of these ideas... Uh, these evil ideas, you see that humanity uh, perpetrates, upholds and then perpetrates one, one man against the other, oppressor against the oppressed, uh, based on um, demonic principles, evil doctrines, unbiblical ideas. It, it made me start philosophizing, uh, or rather wanting to, and I said I was having a conversation with a friend, and even a you know, I use this word conservative. Um, people call themselves conservatives. They're patriots. They're Republicans. They're uh, Christians. They're of the conservative uh, perspective. And yet, I'm realizing people aren't actually, in the truest sense, capital C or caps lock, all capital letters, conservative. They're not living with what I said yesterday, and I want to continue talking about. They're not living according to the conservative mind. And so, um, in these discussions, and uh, there's disconnect, there's discord. Even when I'm talking to their fellow so-called conservative, we're not connecting as authentic conservatives because I don't think we have developed consistently the conservative mind, and it's rampant throughout our churches, this deficiency. By the way, maybe one day we'll get to it. I think the cause, generationally, my theory is obviously a weak education system, obviously, uh, a liberal education system, but also feminism. Feminism has defanged uh, truth and conviction. Feminism has made compromise and meeting in the middle very chic and trendy, and feminism has made any uh, alpha male personality that digs its heels in and says, here I stand and I will not budge on truth claims and propositional statements. It's defanged that and made it very, uh, oh, um, uh, misogynistic, mean-spirited, and harsh. So everybody just gets squishy and agrees to meet in the middle. And Weak education and feminism, I think, has caused many people in this generation, not just mine, not just mine, but prior generations, um, they've had no male voice reinforcing first principles. Did you hear that? No strong leadership male voice reinforcing first principles. And so they grow up squishy, even though they adopt a sense of, of uh, 
general conservative moral principles, Christian principles, uh, general patriotic principles, and yet um, they really can't defend capitalism or they can't defend um, America's founding principles like the Second Amendment or uh, things like that. They're not able to give robust arguments. And then they're not getting fed that in the church either because the church isn't explaining this or teaching this. And without a male voice reinforcing first principles, you have a generation of squishy people, I think is is really what I'm trying to say. You know, I can go back and, and talk about the male voices that I heard. Obviously, my dad. Obviously. Huge, strong, conservative, common sense male voice teaching me to have a conservative mind. Um, and then my uncle is another great example. I can go back to conversations I had with him, a conservative voice. Um, and then listening to Rush, living, listening to conservative commentary over the years, and, and people might respond and say, oh, you just got raised on propaganda. No, no. We need, we need cultural voices speaking dogmatically about the culture from a conservative perspective. And so that's what a voice like Rush and others have done for many over the years. Um, reading the Conservative Chronicle, um, being familiar with voices like William F. Buckley, who is a, a uh, classic example of the American conservative scholar. Okay, let me get back to this discussion, though. That was too long of an introduction, and I'm running out of time. Uh, so the conservative mind, it's missing. And I wanted to give you an example yesterday from, some, from a text that I was reading, uh, a text assigned by a so-called conservative institution, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I made the point that context doesn't matter. I'll tell you the title, I'll tell you the author, but it doesn't matter because it's not, it's not the surface argument that someone's making, which is contextually relevant. It's the underlying manner of thinking, the secondary level, the presuppositions behind what the author is saying that is problematic and shows that even among quote-unquote, conservative scholars, Christian scholars at a quote-unquote conservative institution, they're still not thinking conservative. This is why I said when I had that conversation with my friend and we're like missing each other, I'm thinking in my head, you're not conservative. <laughs> I don't, I mean, you say you are, uh, but you're not really. So let me read from, this is called, listen to this title by Richard Lintz, The Fabric of Theology, A Prolegomenon to Evangelical Theology. Okay. Real fancy title, probably above my pay grade, but let's flip over deep into it, page 242. This guy throughout this book is very passionate uh, about critiquing evangelical theology and how we're no longer speaking prophetically into the culture and becoming irrelevant. Now, it's one of those things where I agree at face value, but then when you get deeper in the weeds, you're like, I don't think we think speaking prophetically to the cultures the same thing. You've got a different idea about that. You know, and, and as a side note, one of the areas of a lack of cons the conservative mind is a lot of pontificating and academic fluff speech, but no substance. There's a lot of that going on in the academy, even in the Christian academy. And I found a lot of this in this book. It's like a four, three, 400-page book. The guy never landed the plane. Just say objectively, what's your proposition? But it's always beating around the bush because it's even when you're saying a contrary opinion to what 
what I would consider to be conservative. You're afraid to land on it propositionally. Go ahead, go ahead, son. Land on it propositionally. Be an alpha male and say what you mean. But they almost don't want to because it'll rougher feathers. Anyway, so this guy says we don't speak prophetically. Uh, he said, in both these periods, I'm jumping right in the middle of the paragraph, the evangelical movement lost its prophetic edge. Okay, what's he mean? It is no accident that this happened when evangelicalism uh, ceased to challenge accepted cultural mores of democracy and the market economy. That's weird. Wait, what? Evangelicalism should challenge democracy and the market. Democracy and the market economy are embedded in a biblical worldview. I mean, look at the Old Testament. Look at the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Property ownership, property rights, is an, an absolute moral law, uh, the absolution of which brings devastation, the dissolving of which, if you dissolve property rights ownership, what we would call the market or capitalism, you plunge a civilization into absolute ruin. I mean, I was, uh, guys, I was just in Cambodia. I, lo I looked at it. I watched it. You know, the Khmer Rouge under Pol Pot, when they came into Phnom Penh in 19, I think it was 1975 or 76, it was like a four-year episode when the Khmer Rouge ran Cambodia under Pol Pot, 70, 75 to 79, I think. They come into Phnom Penh in 1975. They, they tell the people, uh, America's going to bomb the city. Everybody get out. Evacuate. This is in one day. One day. I believe it was in April in 1975. One day cleared out the city. So the people, they clear out. At literally everyone. They march in the Red Army and they say, uh, it's burn all your money. There's no more money. Nobody owns anything. It's day zero. We're starting over. Everybody's going to grow rice and we're going to be self-sustaining with a rice economy, agrarian economy. Literally, they abolished property, and the next move was murder and slaughter. They tortured and murdered untold numbers of the Cambodian population, beginning right then. Slaughtered them. So how, how is an evangelical, oh, we're supposed to challenge democracy and the market economy. Democracy is embedded in the Old Testament. Moses said to Israel, to appoint judges, choose from among yourselves men to govern fifties, hundreds, tens, fifties, hundreds, thousands, I'm paraphrasing, men of good repute, men who will not take uh, uh, sordid gain, who cannot be bought by a bribe, men of character. So I'm not sure what this, and I only read one sentence. Let me keep going with this author. He says, okay, context. everybody always says, right? Context. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're misquoting me. Come on, bro. I'm not misquoting you. But here he defends himself. The author continues, this is not to suggest that democracy and the free market ought to be abandoned. Oh, good call, Sherlock. <laughs> what? Abandoned? Are you out of your mind? Mr. Richard Lentz? I mean, I got nothing against the guy, but abandoned? Are you out of your mind? We watched abandonment of democracy and the market economy in Soviet Russia, in communist China, which is still wreaking havoc in the earth, in Vietnam, in Cambodia. We got a hundred years, brother, of, of departing from democracy, grounded in constitutional law, by the way. When I say democracy, I don't mean mob rule. I, really, the, the, the American form of democracy is republicanism, representative, representative democracy. Anyway, I digress. Dude, we've seen a, over 100 years of abandoning property rights and self-government and how it destroys the individual and leads to absolute horrific results for humanity, genocide and murder and death. 
So who was, how, why would you say anything that even suggests that we abandon democracy or the free market? So this is not to suggest that democracy and the free market ought to be abandoned or criticized from the vantage point of another competing political and or economic system. Okay, this is, okay, this is this fluff speech I, I told you about uh, where I, I want to say, hey, hey, buddy, just, just, um, you know, I hope my tone's okay here. I'm trying to be light here and have some fun reading this. I'm not, I'm not angry, but, you know, this is that fluff speech. He's trying to, here's what this guy's trying to say. I'm not saying abandon uh, democracy and the free market for socialism, but he doesn't want to say that because if somebody read that, you'd be like, what, whoever would make that kind of an argument in a Christian text? Why would you even have to give that caveat? But he doesn't, he doesn't say, he kind of beats around the bus. He doesn't say socialism. He says, it's not to suggest that democracy and the free market ought to be abandoned or criticized from the vantage. From, here, it, all of this next phrase means socialism, okay? Quote, from the vantage point of another competing political and or economic system. He means, I'm not saying we should criticize the market in favor of communism. That's what he meant to say, but he didn't have the guts to write that. He goes on, it is simply to suggest that evangelicals have to come to grips with the fact that democracy and the free market economy, okay, this is getting interesting, like all social, political, and economic systems are flawed as a result of the fall. Wait, huh? What? Are you, are you kidding me? The, democracy, self-government, let's call it, it's a better word, republicanism. This guy doesn't even know, sadly, what he's exactly talking about. It's not democracy, but let's use that word because you keep using it, but it's self-government, republicanism. Okay, uh, self-government, democracy, and the free market economy, uh, th those two worldviews entail the fall of man. I mean, they are built on the proposition that man is evil and fallen, and therefore, as a result, you need to institute self-government, democracy, and the, the free market economy. Let me reread what he wrote so this makes sense to you. It's simply to suggest that evangelicals have come to grips with the fact that democracy and the free market economy, like all social, political, and economic systems, are flawed as a result of the fall. He's saying we as evangelicals have to understand that our system of capitalism and democracy uh, are flawed. And I want to say, wait a second, no kidding. They're the only two types of uh, uh, instituting government and an economy that actually are built, predicated upon the fact that we agree that man has fallen. All the other social, political, and economic systems that you might suggest are humanist and do not agree with the fact are not built upon the first principle that man is a fallen creature. Socialism, communism, communal sharing, uh, 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 collectivism, egalitarianism, these are all built on faulty propositions that man is not fallen, that there is no God over all to whom we must give account. The market and democracy are built on that principle that we give an account to a higher and greater judge because man has fallen, and therefore, as a result of man's condition of sin— uh, and because every system is flawed, these are the safest because they put in place checks and balances against man's inclination to evil. So, okay, this guy does not understand the very things he's writing about in his text, and this is what I mean. This guy is not functioning with a conservative mind. Let justice roll down like waters, American righteousness like an overflowing stream. 
Don't believe the hype out there. Um, we have voices speaking to us in this culture, even from our own side, that are not functioning with the conservative mind. Stay with me. I know we're getting in the weeds here philosophically, but I want to do more tomorrow. Read more texts to you and hopefully teach you how to think as a conservative. See you there.